Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking, or if you are experiencing extreme psychological distress. Drummer and the Great Mountain, a podcast where we share effective tips and practices for working with adults ADD, ADHD in a natural, effective way without the use of medications. Each episode, join me, your host, Batman Saram, along with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Join Michael and myself in an interactive discussion of sharing our stories as we journey together in transforming what can be the gift of being what we call hunter types. This podcast is intended to be your audio companion to the book written by Michael, who joins me each episode where we both will strive to foster dialogue, give you our personal insights, and share both of our experiences on this similar path that we are all on. Our intention and hope is that along with the book, this podcast gives you an additional perspective as you listen to us delve deeper into each chapter of the book to give you even more tools to go along with what it is that you are reading. Visit us at drummerandthegreatmountain.com to purchase the book and look for more tools, tips, and updates, as well as giving us feedback on this podcast. Join our growing global community of creative types, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers on our shared journey. Welcome to the Drummer in the Great Mountain podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we have our fearless co-host back online, Batman Saram. How are you? Hello, my friend. Been a while. Good to be here again. It's been a while, yes. And you've had a you've had a full plate the last couple of months. There's there's new job and there's uh, lots of life under the bridge. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things we we've always talked about um, on this podcast and obviously in your book is you know having. Uh, not only having boundaries with with other people as a hunter type is important so that you give yourself some space but you know boundaries for yourself with yourself and yeah just the last few months have um there's a lot of transition happening which was really important for me to focus on and i had to actually make a few choices on like okay so I th- we i think if correct me if i'm wrong but we may have even actually literally talked about this on one of the earlier shows I had to make choices of, okay, so what's going to have to go away, even if it's temporary, so that you can focus. And so, unfortunately, one of those was being with you on uh, regularly on, on Saturdays, but, uh, you know, for everything a reason, and then those things got done, and, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Just yes. Like that. Just like that. Yes, it's been uh, it's been a full couple months. I've been it's it's a whole different experience doing it by yourself. I will say that 
it's always more fun with someone else. That's for sure. oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So today's topic, we are, this is a big one. This is one that we've kind of circled around, but um, it, it's big, especially when there's a quote unquote medical diagnosis of ADD or ADHD. This is anxiety and hunter types. So how do we deal with it? What is common? Um, you know, what to expect. Well, you already know what to expect if you're a hunter type. <laughs> You've been in it. Uh, <laughs> we all deal with it. And uh, so we'll talk about some strategies to reduce the anxiety um, and be able to um, have it not take over. It's, it's, I think anxiety is one of those things that um, one, it's somewhat part of our modern society. So it's, it's, it is a very challenging thing to just completely eradicate, but it's more of a management it's it's stress management it's anxiety management uh and so we will talk about that today um and just a quick note uh we'll be announcing the next webinar and workshop uh in the next podcast or two let you guys know what's going on the next one will be uh the next workshop and webinar i'm going to make sure that we do the timing so that people who are on the other side of the pond in uh, especially in Europe, can um, tune in because that has been one of the requests. So we have listened, and so stay tuned for that. Uh, and let's jump in. So I guess the first step here is to, to just define anxiety. Like, what does it look like for us as hunter types? Uh, and I know both me and Bam, like both of us have <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of anxiety stories that we could we could go into uh but i think the big point is if you're a hunter type anxiety is usually part of the equation uh and again it's how you deal with it so one is you're not alone and uh another piece i think and again something that we've discussed in the past is being a hunter type in a society that expects you to be more like a farmer that in itself is a whole bin of anxiety that <laughs> if you're not conscious of it it's kind of working on you there's that kind of the insecurity and the stress and like i should be able to do this and i can't do this and if you're not clear about your strengths and understanding of yourself and have a lot of self-acceptance around being a hunter type then that can really just snowball and turn into something where you're like sitting down with a psychiatrist saying, I, I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed. I need something to make this stop. Um, so, and I have, yeah, I have a thought. It's funny. The imagery that comes to mind when you're saying that is, is a joke amongst my close friends and then definitely my wife is um, I've always been in a good way, jealous in this, um, uh, community of like yogis and conscious folks that that I'm lucky enough to call friends. And sometimes when I go to one of these like yogi conscious community gatherings, there's always one guy or gal. But since I'm a guy, I think I adapt more to that. And I don't even know if I've ever told you this before, Michael, but I think I have. I said, I. My goal is to be like this person, mm, the guy that. Yeah. Then. He's wearing all white, you know, really cool yogi outfit, really, <laughs> really slender. Yeah. And for me, that's important since I've always had weight issues. And and when he walks in, I feel calm. And 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 and, and you can just tell he radiates that. 
and that everyone else kind of gets there's a magnet which he draws other people to him in that way and i'm not talking about jealousy in a bad way jealousy in the way of dang it i wish i could be like that because here's what goes through my mind when i see a person like that maybe he's a former type he's not i have no idea but it's (laughs) what goes through my head is this is how he must be all the time and that's what makes me jealous because i wish i could even be like that three quarters of the time or half the time in my life now you know there's always the other side as my wife is reminding she goes how do you know that's just not how he is at gatherings maybe at home he's a big ball of stress you don't know yeah yeah yeah, but i doubt it some of these people i see and i've talked to some of them and no it's true man they are just a quiet hum in the background and that's how they run their life you know um so it's funny when you when you say that about being compared to farmer types. Yeah, you know, that happens when I see a calm farmer type. My brother-in-law is one of those. My brother-in-law is one of those that um, – and he's the sweetest soul around. So he's not at all – He's it's never anything – he doesn't even see himself as anything. But my brother-in-law is literally one of those people – There, the fire – would have to be in front of him and possibly <laughs> yeah. part of his body on fire yeah. for him to actually panic and yeah. want to, you know, react yeah. like us hunter types do most of the time. Yeah. You know, and that's such a great, you know, you know the, the, I appreciate that. And cause I think that is the, that's the conversation that often goes on in our heads too, of like seeing other people and go, I think for me, it's, it's helped me to listen to people like Mark Marin, the Mark, uh, WTF podcast. Cause it's, he's so like transparent with his anxiety yeah. and stress and it's funny and he's integrated it into his work and you know, all he does like that. It's part of, he kind of embraced it and said, okay, this is just going to be part of the whole picture. Whether, I mean, he may or may not have consciously done that, but, um, the self-acceptance helps. Because that that because I know for me that's that sense of if I don't accept myself, including this angst, this part of me that gets anxious and gets overwhelmed, and uh, I've tried everything, and I can tell mm-hmm. you that like it doesn't just go away. You, no, but you you manage it. But okay, but let's let's keep going here. So, what causes stress? Let's ca- mm-hmm. what causes anxiety, and what what perpetuates this so that we can kind of get underneath of like what is what is the anxiety? Cause it clearly your body is doing something and more than likely your body is some part of it is functioning normally. It's, it's doing what it knows to do. It's trying to protect you. It's trying to alert you of something, but it may or may not be getting accurate signals. So what causes stress? So finances work. So those are usually intertwined because work and finances tend to to relate to stability, like having a home. Like if you keep tracking that back, it's like, I'm going to be homeless. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where am I going to live? If Mm -hmm. if, so, all, so, so finances and work in and of themselves uh, can be stressful, but what's underneath that, which is that core level of stability and safety, that's what's underneath that health, obviously key. These are like, those are like kind of the top ones right under that, under that's relationships and family, uh, just the news, like surround, like the world around you can be, especially if you're tuning into the news constantly, or if you're actually living in an area that's, that's, um, challenging, 
obviously anxiety will be kind of a, 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 a hum. And so all of those relate to things that am I safe? So much of that whether it's physical health and then emotionally it's like if someone leaves you like if you're you're having relationship problems and that person leaves that's like the loneliness and all the things that go along with that so so all of those pieces they're not just sort of random things those things that directly correlate with the well-being of of your physical body almost and so obviously those will trigger anxieties uh, and so in one of the pieces that I mentioned in the book that I think is really important to discuss when we're talking about anxiety, because this is sort of the heightened end of it. It's the term that I used in that. I think it's a Daniel Goldman came up with this term is the amygdala hijack, which basically means. So we are wired. You know, our wiring goes back thousands and thousands of thousands of years and so at one point we were going to be eaten by the tiger if we didn't run we if we went over and went oh la 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 it's a tiger i'm going to go pet it you're dead so our meant our brain as it evolved learned to to alert us of things in the the physical environment that could potentially kill us so it, it cues this fight or flight so the amygdala is the part of our brain that what it, its its purpose in a sense is to keep you safe. And so, if you are in a potential life-threatening situation, it cues fight or flight, which means raises your cortisol, raises your adrenaline. And so, the other thing that that does is it it, it turns off your rational mind because in that moment you're not supposed to sit there and look at the tiger and go, oh well, that's hmm, let's see what kind of tiger is that. No, you have to run and protect yourself from being killed. So what, but what happens is in modern society, we have these triggers around finances, work, these kinds of stresses that will trigger this part of our ancient brain that pull us uh, out of our thinking mind and they just raise our cortisol, raise our adrenaline, and we're in fight or flight. And some of us, we're in that all the time. And I know a lot of you who I've interacted with and emailed or even been in the workshops have shared with me that like that level of anxiety is going on almost all the time. So I think that's the first point is just to, to recognize that's going on. And then a little later in the podcast, we'll talk about how specifically during an amygdala hijack, how do we pull ourselves out of it to get ourselves back centered so we can think clearly? Yeah, this brings up, so many things, you know, uh, there, there's no one, first of all, by the way, hilarious imagery. I was on mute laughing when you <laughs> described when you, when you described the hunter, that's like, Oh, what kind of line is that? Let me study that. Cause that would make a great skit of like the hunter type. That's not really a hunter. He doesn't really, he's really a farmer and a hunter. <laughs> oh, let me see. That's, that's a great vision. You're right. I'm, but, but, it's hilarious and it brought the imagery is so important to me in understanding a concept. And that just hammered home who we are. You know how we've talked about since the first day, this is not what, what this is and what this isn't. And this is, this is the, the bones, the, 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 the very essence of who we are because it is who we are as hunter types. And, and you're, you're right. We wouldn't be, if we studied, if we sat there and studied the lion and what kind it is, 
our families wouldn't eat in the caves, you know? So it was a humorous image, but I hope for, for, you know, you out in the audience listening to this, I hope uh, maybe you smiled at that too, but understand the point behind that is huge. That's a huge concept to get is that's not how we're built, right? We won't analyze it. We're just there to be the hunt. Now it's a question of, well, we're not cavemen anymore. How do we, how do we operate in this society? But but now yes. to my to my other point that was that was my aside. <laughs> okay. Um, you know I um, a friend of mine said drama therapy did a lot of good for him and he highly recommended it and I and it's something I've always wanted to try. I'm a former um, really used to be into acting. I mean I really thought I was going to get into acting one day. It just so happened the way I got into entertainment was being a professional musician. But I think they're related. Long story short, I was like yeah drama therapy. And I did go to one session and uh, just life and schedules and costs uh, inhibited me from going more. It actually really worked. But in the one session, the one session I had, the one and only, I think is huge for this amygdala hijack and everything you're talking about. And first of all, just to get into what you're talking about a little bit more, you know, this emotional hijacking is literally a state. This is a state we get in. And all of you listening out there, and and all of the people Michael's talked to know this. This is a state you get into. But now let's ex- extract from that and get a little philosophical about the state you're getting into. This is almost like it's somebody else. How many times? And I'm going to tell you in the audience, you'd be lying if you didn't haven't thought this before. How many times have you come out of this state and said to your partner that maybe you just took out some emotions on, or yourself, or a friend, or a colleague? Boy. That's just not me. Boy, I don't know who yes, that was or right. something to that effect. That's right. There is something very important to extract, and that is it's not the core you. And this is what drama therapy taught me. I think this is really important. One of the exercises she had me do was she said, well, tell – because literally the reason I went to her was for anxiety and stress. Michael, I think I told you this story. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool what they do in drama therapy. She had a bunch of acting masks, these masks they use in like Shakespearean and, you know, all kinds of plays, a bunch of masks on the table. And she said, oh, and she didn't reveal them till the exercise and she revealed them. She said, okay, you have literally 10 seconds. Which of these masks represents the, the, the being, the energy that's coming through when you're in an anxious state? And I picked the mask up and because it's drama therapy was super cool. She had me then put on the mask and then become anxiety. She literally had me play the role. Obviously, this is improv. She said, I now want you to become, but you're tapping into real life. She said, I want you to go into one of your anxious, one of your 110 anxious moments you've had this week when you've been in an emotional hijack state. And I need you to put the mask on and become anxiety through this mask. And I'm looking in the mirror and now seeing myself as this mask. It gets a little deep, but stick with me. Um, I did it. She had me speak through anxiety. She had me talk through anxiety about how anxiety sees me, the person. And it came out, this is not necessarily the case for everybody. For me, anxiety was something that's been there since my childhood. Mm. It's, It's been a helper. Anxiety was there when I was going through a revolution and the parents' divorce. Anxiety was there to protect me so that I knew what to run from and what to hide from and all this good. She had me then take the mask off and say the following words. And I have to tell you, it got super emotional. Mm. And I'm tapping into it now, too, because it is emotional. And she had me say the following words. 
I don't need you anymore. Hmm. Thank you for being there for me when I needed you through revolution and war and parental divorce and being bullied as a overweight and foreign fat kid. Yeah. But I don't need you anymore. I don't mm. need you. Now, why do I say that to what you're saying? What it is to use these tools in this book and this podcast is the whole thing is to come to a place using these tools to say, I don't need you anymore. Mm. So that's just my take. I had to share. You know, and that's really good. I, I, and I think that kind of goes to the core. I like that you're speaking as anxiety and seeing, I, 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 a lot of what we we've talked about on the podcast is how do you get to a place where you're not at war with yourself so that you're not spending so much of your energy fighting against yourself, judging yourself over and over and how much energy that burns and how much like how much oh i've got this disorder and it, so it, it doesn't help mm-hmm. so how do you get to a place of self-acceptance and tools to manage life and before you go on to the next section i think it's really important what you're describing some people like me hear from my wife a lot and close friends yeah. the words you boy you are your own worst enemy mm. and that's what this warring with yourself yeah. is that yeah. that we are our own worst enemy but it's part of our our makeup and here's now how to the, get over it that's it so what well let's let's go a little bit i just want to cover a couple more points here on this and then i want to go into some strategies so that obviously the amygdala hijack and the meltdown and the blow up Obviously, that's all interrelated. And that is sort of as the anxiety reaches a heightened peak. So as we've mentioned in the past on this podcast, what's going on is anxiety is creating cortisol. Your cortisol is going up. That's the stress hormone. And so how the body works is it wants something to – so when dopamine goes up, cortisol goes down. And so as we are hunter types and we have less dopamine receptors, we seek out stimulation, foods, uh, substances that raise our dopamine. And that's part of our self-medication. And so – Again, overeating is really common, like high carbs. That, that triggers that dopamine that gives you the hit and reduces it or whatever, name the addiction. So again, making that connection between the anxiety and maybe the not so sustainable methods to lower the stress. So a lot of the key to working with anxiety is having health, healthy and effective ways to manage the anxiety and the stress so that you don't get to those places where you get to the amygdala hijack as best you can. And then forgive yourself if you go, you have the meltdown or the blow up, you got to just come back and retrace your steps and see what happened that led up to it. Um, I think that's good. Let's, let's go into uh, the strategies. Yes, sir. All right. So number one, and we say it every podcast, we'll say it again. Your exercise and nutrition plan is essential. Studies have been done. Cardio absolutely helps lower stress. So find your cardio that you can do two, three times a week, half hour a session. This is going to help. It's going to help. 
You got to find the one that works for you. Uh, reducing in a, or eliminating any of the artificials, getting your get through 30 grams of protein, 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. These are like of healthy protein, like lean meats or vegetarian protein. That's sort of the baseline. And that is absolutely uh, essential for anxiety support. And, you know, what, what's what been your experience with that? Do you have any, because I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, what has been your experience with uh, anxiety and cardio and nutrition? What, what, what has been your, your flow? Um. Uh... You know, I, I have to, I giggle a little bit because it's the same old story. It is, it is being a hunter type when I'm in it, when I'm practicing my hunter type faith, if you will, for terms of a better word, <laughs> when I'm practicing yeah. it, everything's good. Yeah. Um, when I'm not, it's not. And yeah. when I am, and doing it consistently. I think I had a good one and a half, two year run before things kind of fell apart a little bit and now slowly getting back into it. Yeah. But at that year and a half where I did, and then Michael was on this journey with me because we're good friends. Um, I severely turned around my health. I mean, it was actually, I'll have to say for the first time, uh, it's rare for me to pat myself on the back. But what I did to turn around my health uh, a couple of years ago was, was pretty miraculous because it was not it a was. It was. Yeah, I watched it. But what it was was um, finding the exercise that gave me pure and utter ease and joy. And for me, that was swimming. Yeah. I've tried it all, guys and gals. I'm not a jogger. A guy, yeah. my, a guy my size, no matter how much weight I lose, just my build, I, my knees would be done in two weeks if I jogged. I've never been a jogger. Yeah. When I was younger, sports was there for me. And I never played professional sports or like like high school athletics. But what I did was every day after school, I was either playing volleyball or flag football or basketball, especially nice. when I lived when I lived in Philadelphia, basketball was was everything. Sure. Um, and I was darn good. I'll have you know, don't don't judge a book by its voice. <laughs> but no, I was I was and, and it, it and, and I enjoyed it. But that's being young and having the time to go out and play. Yeah. for your friends with three and a half hours of basketball. Of course, you're burning calories. So how do you do it as an adult? My biggest recommendation is find that thing that you love. And 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 that may be trying new things because yeah. you just don't know now as an adult what does it for you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that helped was following the book and, and following um, the guidance of, of, of the practices in the book is, okay, now that I've found that thing that that I that I can commit to because don't forget this is about commitment which hunter types do have issues with yeah. challenges with let's not use a negative yes. word challenges yeah. with um okay now put it in the schedule and now fine and it took so I was good for a year and a half so let me speak about that year and a half as, since you're asking the question it took two to three months to find the schedule that works for me because the I would try something for a week and, it, and I couldn't keep up with it, right? Yes. So now you try it for another week and you're like, that doesn't work either. Okay, finally what I landed on was, for me, this might not be for you, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, religion. It doesn't matter what, the world is burning down unless literally there's a family emergency. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Friday were my church in the pool. That's my it. church was the pool. Yeah. Fine, and, 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 and I think it's something you pointed out 
a while back actually was very interesting. I think you did it as a friend to inspire me to get back into it is I then swimming became something that became a self competition. The beautiful thing about finding something that you can do on your own that doesn't necessarily require the people like sports or group sports is the only competition was myself. And I, and I think Michael, I would text you or call you and be like, dude, guess what? I just did 70 laps in X amount of time. Now I did 80 laps in X amount of time. Find that thing that will fire you up because now here's the other side of being a hunter type. When we put our mind to something, we are effective like nobody else, not even farmer types. Yes. Boy, that competition blood. Superpowers. Is that's it. Yeah. You just, you just yeah. got it. And so did you find that the anxiety lowered as oh you... God, you know, yeah. did I notice? Did, did my wife notice you mean? And in yeah. fact, we had a rule in the house. I think we used to joke about it. Um, uh, no more than two days. I, I could not go more than 48 hours without being in the pool because it was, we had our own psychology study in this house. It was, uh, a, it was a focus group study, I should say. If I went literally more than forty-eight hours without swimming, my wife would start to notice. I was. It was. It was like. <laughs> it, it was like a tick. I would walk in the door with a little tick and a cloud over my head, and but as soon as I'd get back in there, man, we'd be good for two days. Yeah. So then yeah, that's absolutely. it's it's magic. It really is. It, it really it really is, and it and and so as much as we have domino effects in the negative, the domino effects of the positive are. When you're in it, when you're in that zone, what you'll notice as a hunter type is that that whole fog clearing thing that we talk about in the book and earlier podcasts, once that fog is cleared, again, bringing it back to what you just said, Michael, that superpower, you're like, I can multitask. Because when yes, you're, in, when you're right. in the fog, what causes anxiety for you is I can't multitask. This is too much. I'm doing 10 things and none of them are being done well. Well, you should never be doing 10 things, but I think I'm exaggerating to make a point. But when you're exercising and your nutrition is grooving, you can do three things and do them well. And don't get me wrong. They don't all have to affect the same topic. To me, the three things that I need to do well are being a good father. Yeah. That means everything to me in the world. That's number one. Tied with number one, so I don't get in trouble, is being a good husband. Yes. <laughs> and, and absolutely right behind it is being a good worker at my job, whatever yes. that job is. Yeah. So those are three major things that, you know, it doesn't have to be 10. I know there's a lot of branches that come off of each one of those, but they are three major categories. Absolutely. And, you know, and I want to add an extra point here, and it does completely relate with anxiety is, um, Part of the anxiety that we experience as hunter types is this experience of flooding where all of our thoughts and all of the the things that we have to do or should do flood into this big pile in our brain and it just turns into overwhelm. There's no compartmentalization. And people who are farmer types, their brains tend to compartmentalize things a little bit easier. What you find is when you start getting your, your health routine down and you get a good cardio routine, though it's almost like these little compartments start to build back up in your brain. So things start to get separated out a little bit more easily. That's been the first time that I've actually thought about that, but that's a, that's a big piece of it. Let's go into the, I, I want to circle back to the amygdala hijack. So when you're in that space where the anxiety has gone up, you're in that space where, you, where it's taken over and it's high anxiety, high stress, you're in fight or flight. There's some well-known 
strategies to get yourself out of it. And I mentioned this in the book. I just want to make sure we cover it here. So the first step is if you're feeling overwhelmed or scared or whatever the, the thing is that got triggered, that's you're in that space. The first step is to name the feeling or emotion. I am feeling scared. I am feeling overwhelmed. As soon as you name it, it helps the brain the rational mind come back into control again so that, that the amygdala is not totally hijacking your rational mind. So these are like kind of classic psychotherapy. These have been studied. So first step is naming the emotion when you're inside of it. Two is name the object. What is it that is causing the overwhelm or the anxiety? What is it? And I'll give you an example in a second. And then if the third is name the why, what is why is this happening in this moment? Name the emotion, name the object, name the why. So for example, if you're, uh, I'm stressed about work, uh, boss is mad at me for something. I'm feeling scared because I, um, I'm concerned about my job because if I lose my job, what's going to happen? What about myself? What about my family? Where am I going to live? Like naming, the, just putting your, your, your finger on this is what's happening, it gets you back in control again. You don't have, even have to try to fix it. It's just the rational mind can come back online again because it was pulled offline by the amygdala that thought in this moment, now we're, we're really in trouble. And so the reality is no one is there with a gun to your head. My friend used to tell me that a lot. He says, remember, no one's got a gun to your head. And that is absolutely the case. So that, that is a good strategy to remember. Just think about name the feeling, name what it is, the object, name the why. And, and I have to, and I, if I could, sure. I, I want to bring one quick thing back and then, and then bring it home on this point. Um, you, you and I have talked about this point before just offline, which is um, your friend is right to, from his perspective, you don't have a gun to your head, but that's easier said than done for a hunter type. Who's there in that state in where their emotions are being hijacked. Cause I, I got news for you and maybe I'm just speaking personally, but maybe everyone else listening can connect. It is absolutely a physical, real feeling when you're in this state, the, that is what's happening. That's right. And, and I think it's important for people to understand that that's why you feel the way you do in that state. Yeah. Because now let's take it back to drama therapy and the mask. That, that anxiety, that other thing, that energy is telling you there's a gun to your head. You got to run. You got to do something about this. Yeah. And that's why your body feels like that. And that's why you feel like that. So I'm, I'm saying it to, to people take the pressure off the cells of judging themselves. That's of, right. But it's also important to, I think, understand what's going on behind the scenes. It's easier said than done to say, D well, you're acting like you have a gun to your head. Yeah, because that's the way I'm built. That's yeah. what my needs are. Um, I also want to uh, – one of my early spiritual teachers brought uh, – and it's something I should practice more. I used to do it a lot. Um, we all know about chakra points, or if you don't, it's easy thing to look up. But he just – I'll say this real quick. He talked about the solar plex chakra, which is like number three. Will, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and but it's also um, – it's the element of being um, balanced and feeling balanced. And a lot mm. of personal power comes from there. Yeah. And what he recommended to me was when you're starting to feel like someone just said something to you. Now, maybe it's your boss or maybe it's your wife or maybe it's your sister or maybe it's your brother. 
But try to get into a little bit of uh, what do you call in the book uh, awareness, a state of awareness. Yeah. And before you react, and before you say anything, just and you're going to look like a crazy person, I know, but there is a subtle way to do this. Just start like in a circle, literally with like one or two fingers, like right in the middle of your belly. There, just start going in a circle. Mm. And and connect with that chakra point, which is an element of fire and balance, and it's a lot of a lot of personal power comes yes, from this chakra that's point. Right. That's right. And and now put into practice what Michael's saying, because this is where you can say, "What's going on for me? What am I feeling?" Because if you do this, then before that comes out of your thing comes out of your mouth that you're going to regret later and say, "Well, boy, that wasn't just me." Little things like that can can help. Before you react, that you know, and I just want to add to that uh, that that's in in martial arts that's the dantian, and so the, a lot of the practice yes. is like sit. That's your point of power. That's your set. It's the physical center of your body. That's it. And so resting. And so this is a really good. This is another. I didn't have it on my list, but it's actually a practice that I did for quite some time. Uh, in a lot of Buddhist meditation practices, you sit and you just rest your awareness in your belly. And, and it's amazing how quickly that especially reduces anxiety. And I would do something similar. I would remember going through a rough time where there was just a lot of chaos. And I would just lay in bed and I would rub my belly and be like, oh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's all right. Exactly. And, I, and that kind of com- that communication with yourself is so important to kind of – it's almost like your rational mind is talking to your emotional self and just going, okay, calm. It's all good and we can relax now. It's Everything's going to be okay. I want to point out the clarity of what I'm saying though is you're absolutely right. And it's a nice to have that when you're in that state, when you're at home. But hundred times, a lot of times we're presented out in the jungle yes. that we're in front of our boss and they just said something that ticked us off. Yes. We're in front of a colleague. We're in front of a Good. person at a party that just said something that offended us or or brought us anxiety, right? Yeah. You can't say, excuse me, I'm going to go lie down on a bed. And, exactly. And Good. Gonna, but what you can do is slow. just go. It doesn't – don't worry about how it looks. You can do it subtly. I've seen people do this. <laughs> Real nice. subtly, just starts even with one finger, just the center of yourself. Even if you just touch it, forget about rubbing it in a circle because maybe you'll look a little weird. But um, I'm kidding; it doesn't matter how it looks. Do what you need. I've seen people do this. I actually watched my teacher. We actually went to um, a gathering, and I remember walking over as he was talking to someone, and I heard them say something super offensive. It was yeah. super offensive and just super uncalled for. And I literally watched him start to talk to him as he was rubbing the center chakra and the way he came back at it was so calm so beautiful so just it was just right in the middle so like it that's great i love it and i like the the idea of having multiple strategies depending on where you are and what's going on that that's excellent uh well okay so the next piece is unpack the anxiety so a lot of us are going through life and life is just accumulated and accumulated and we have so many things we're anxious about. So we named one, like an amygdala hijack, I talked about one specific instance, but there's probably like 30 things that that are creating anxiety and almost all of them have an object, something that you can focus on. So again, sit down, journal, write them out. Don't even try to figure them out. Just here's the things I'm anxious about. Just start there. Same process. You're naming what's going on. And then maybe over time you can start chipping away at some of those. Like, what can I do about this one? What can I do about this one? Um, 
so naming the anxiety helps to, to name it, to start working on it. Again, if you're in a space where it's really intense and you can't get any traction, psychotherapy can be extremely helpful in just processing through this, having someone who's a third party or, or someone outside of yourself that's outside of your life situation to just listen so you can move through and maybe process some of the anxiety. Very helpful strategy, especially if it's really heightened and there's so much is built up and you just can't get any traction. Um, the next piece I would suggest is set boundaries for yourself. So as you become more aware of your tendencies as a hunter type, set boundaries with with work, with family, know when you can pull away. And a lot of, a lot of it for hunter types is we don't stop. We need to have time where we can pull away, nurture ourselves, take care of ourselves, rest. So much of anxiety is a result of just not resting and going constantly and constantly and constantly. Uh, another question I would ask is what media are you ingesting? How are you, are you wa constantly watching the news and is it just constantly making you anxious? Question whether or not you need to set a boundary there. Can, next question, can you take time off from work? Some people, like they just go and go and they go, they can't figure out what to do next. And a lot of times with coaching, I just go, okay, do you have any off time? Can you just take some downtime from work and also spend a little time during the time off to work on setting some boundaries, working on some of those anxiety points so that you can reduce the stress and focus on them? Because sometimes life just is constantly going and going and going and we never have a chance to just stop. Um, meditation, key. Uh, you know, we've mentioned this before. If you find a good meditation practice that gives you what you need on a daily basis, if you can't sit down and meditate, find a group. Try to do it as as a part of your exercise routine. Put on a meditation CD or an audio book. Get on Audible. Pick something out. Listen to it as you run, as you exercise. Meditation and movement should can totally go hand in hand. And then I would say a big piece of all of this is know how you can relax yourself at the end of the day or during the day. And so a lot of the things that I recommend are like at night, take a warm bath, try restorative yoga is always a good one, chamomile tea at night to calm you down. Find those, those pieces in your routine that you can carve out so that you can every day address how do you calm yourself down so you can reduce the anxiety? Start to make note of what works and what doesn't work. And again, if you, my suggestion is do two weeks track every evening. Go back to some of our other podcasts that talk about tracking. Track what works and what doesn't work. Maybe you, all you're doing is just tracking. Okay, I'm trying this type of stress management, anxiety management today, and then tomorrow I'll try something else and just see what works and what doesn't work and make it a priority in your schedule so that, so that the anxiety doesn't go up to 10. You've got some systems in place that address the anxiety. And I, I do want to point out one quick thing on the meditation um, topic that you have as a friend recommended to me because you swear by it and it works and I'll let you talk to it, but this is important for people to hear. The meditation can literally be getting up in the morning and, Michael, how do you say it? Envisioning what you want your day to be like. Yes. Like literally picturing what it's going to be like. And I, I, I just – I can't it's, – it's, I, I giggle again because when I have the discipline to do it, it works. And when I don't, it doesn't work. It's, it's, one of, it's a tool. 
it's a tool. Um, uh, but I just think, again, for maybe those, because I know since, since I took a break from this, I know Michael and I have been in touch and I know we have a lot of new listeners. We have a lot of new folks and for, for new folks that haven't had a chance yet to delve into the book deeply or go back on old podcasts, meditation if it's new to you, it does not have to be an overwhelming thing. It doesn't need to take an hour of your time. That's right. Um, so if at the very minimal, the thing that you do to call meditation, to put it in the area, is get up in the morning. And Michael, you put in your words better. What is it, envisioning what you want the day to be like? Yeah, how I do it. And then this is, becomes a habit that I do actually throughout the day. I'll just say, I affirm that today's going to go really well. Or if I like going onto a coaching call, I affirm that like we both get off feeling really good and it feels re- envision the end point. Like, what does the day feel like? So you, I might say at the beginning of the day, I affirm by the time I go to bed tonight, I feel so. Uh, satisfied with how the day went i affirm mm. that like all like this particular project went really well whatever it is just a, i'm like i am so grateful that has already happened it's like you and, act, and act can, as if it happened already and we can bring it back to something you just mentioned i and i'm just coming up with this i'm riffing now in that <laughs> mode you know why not if, if you want why not picture that at the end of the day when you're having your chamomile tea or you're in your yoga class how did that day go how did you want it to go? How are you going to be feeling? You're going to be feeling so good because that big project that you had that deliverable on or that presentation or whatever it may be went so well and you're just enjoying this yoga class now. That's it. That's it. And, you know, I got to say for myself, um, you know, my partner, she teaches restorative yoga. I go every week to her class and I know there's going to be at least one time during the week that it's just built into the schedule and it it saves my life sometimes. It's just, I have to have that time to, it just gets me into my body and it's very slow, deep movements. It's not strenuous. It's, there's no, it's very calming and I get so many really great ideas from that. And also I get a lot of ideas on how to reduce things in my life that are creating stress, which is, and I'd be remiss if I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, a good example of practice what you preach. The author of this book, my good friend Michael, the the guy, the reason we're all here in this community <laughs> of the drummer on the Great Mountain, practices what he preaches. Believe me, every word of this is true. I have called Michael the day before, even two days before sometimes, and said, oh, there's this great music jam. There's this great gathering. Hey, you want to go meet here and do something on, on this day? And if it is on a restorative yoga day, Michael always politely says, this is the restorative yoga day. I've had a tough week. I need to do this. So I just I want to point out how important that commitment to the medicine, because that's medicine. Would you ever, if a doctor gave you medicine, say, no, I'm not going to take it today? You, you probably wouldn't. And it's the same thing with any practice that you do that's helping you. So there's a, com- I think there's a level of commitment to that thing, realizing that if you get off of it, then you're going to be out of it, especially as a hunter type. So I just wanted to point that out, that I've heard this restorative yoga thing from you for a long time. And one of the things I've always respected about you is that you're committed to it because you know how you're going to come out of the other side at it. Oh, thanks, man. Well, you know what? It, it is, oh, train's going by. We live by the coast. Uh, it's all right. Um, just giving a little bit of uh, Encinitas love to all those tuning in. Um, so, yes, I mean, the thing is, if we don't prioritize our health, 
you know, everything else falls apart. So it, whatever it is that's pulling at you right now, this is kind of a good thing to wrap up with. If, mm-hmm. if whatever's pulling on you and creating stress and anxiety, what can you give priority to in your mm-hmm. life? that's going to reduce the stress? What are some of the strategies that you can put into your schedule and give them the same or higher priority than any of the other things that are pulling on you that may or may not be giving you anything? So put, mm-hmm. put, the, put the priority on those things. So I guess the assignment that I would give to the audience would be this week, Commit to every single day doing something for at least 10 minutes that you know reduces your stress, reduces your anxiety, and gives you a sense of well-being. And if you don't know what that is, then the job for this week is to find out what strategies actually do that. And we've given you a few. uh, And check in with us and let us know. Uh, So I want to just call out, if you aren't on Facebook, join us on Facebook. Share with us what stresses you out as a hunter type what creates anxiety and what strategies help you reduce the stress post it on Facebook or drop us an email at info at drummer com. Wow. This was good stuff today, my friend, really good stuff. you know, but, but by the way, that train was not an accident. That train was a reminder to all of us because we were on the topic of being committed to the thing that reduces your stress. I mean, we were literally talking about restorative yoga. That train sound for everyone listening, that's your reminder. I think that's why that train is doing So just, just about when you're about to say, eh, not this week to my yoga or my swimming or for, and obviously I'm talking to myself as well here. Yeah. Have that train, train sound in your head as a reminder of, of this discussion here today. Fantastic. Love it. We are a small press. Please help us spread the word as you have been. I know the audience is growing, which is so wonderful to hear from Michael. Um, reviews are super helpful. That's one way to help spread the word. Goodreads um, for the book, iTunes for the podcast. Any way you know of spreading this, if this is doing something for you, spread the word because we want to help our community of hunter types. If you're new to the podcast, uh, we kind of mentioned this before, we encourage you to go back to the beginning episodes because literally chapter by chapter, some of the chapters we broke up into three audio podcasts or four sections, um, go back and go through and then pick up the book and go through it. Because for those of you new, this is good stuff you're listening to, but you will find a wealth of information in those beginning podcasts where we go through chapter by chapter. And the whole beauty of doing that is that if you've picked up the book and you're like kind of at a block point or you're struggling, those, trust me, the audio podcast will help take you right through, right through that book. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. As Michael said, be in touch with us on social media, email us. Um, Let us also know how this podcast has assisted you and what you'd like to cover us in future episodes. We've had tons of episodes literally driven by Michael calling me and saying, just got an amazing email from someone in London that's dealing with this. I think this should stop it. I mean, literally that's how this podcast works and grooves. Of course, you know, the website drummer in the great mountain.com. Anything else before we wrap up officially? No, it's just great to have you back. Uh, this it's, it's, Good to be it's back. so much more engaged to have another person on the other end here. So, and it just, it's, it's wonderful to have you back. I know everyone else, uh, listening to the podcast probably feels the same way. So well, well, thank welcome you back. Leave, thank you for leaving the door unlocked and not changing the keys. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and until next time, as we always say on the drummer in the great mountain podcast, please take care of yourselves and your health. 
be well.